Right now we're going to tee off over in the UK. Chris Foy, how you doing, buddy? Morning, guys. Good to join you after a very nice, quiet day here. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I bet it's quiet, mate. I bet you're all sitting your, on your, having your nice cup of tea and you're <laughs> enjoying the decision that was made today. Owen Farrell has been let off that uh, red card and they've overturned it. They've made a mockery of the new bunker TMO system. That poor guy, the officer that made that decision, must be feeling horrible today, mate. What is going on? Good question. We haven't worked it out yet. Um, we uh, we all thought today would be quite a straightforward process of uh, you know inevitably a guilty verdict and a ban, and it would just be whether it was four, five, or six weeks. That seemed to be the sort of a wow. simple take on it all. And literally from the end of the game on Saturday until one thirty local time this afternoon here, there had not been a sort of dissenting voice anywhere I could see at all in print, on radio, on TV, anywhere, saying, well, this is not actually a red card and, and this will be overturned. Just nothing. It had just been sort of widely assumed it was a done deal. Owen Farrell sat there in the sin bin looking like a bloke who knew that uh, a, a big ban was coming. He looked like he had sort of uh, the guilt on his face and that it was just an inevitable outcome and it was just a matter of the small detail of how much. And it's an absolute bombshell. I mean, it's creating chaos. I mean, I'm sure... The ripples are being felt there too and everywhere else because it has such a big, you know, some potential ramifications for the game, the World Cup, everything that's coming up looks in a state of chaos. That is absolute chaos. And the ripples are affecting, are shown, taking place down here because George Moala for Tonga has been given 10 weeks for a tip tackle. He has no previous history and he has been punished severely. And I don't see any difference. If I can state the obvious, probably Owen Farrell with his history is worse. 100%. It's an absolute outrage. I mean, I've seen the Mo- Moala incident, and look, you know, that's, you're not supposed to do that. That is a tip tackle. Legs yep. over the horizontal, drop yep. him on the ground, danger. No question, there is, there is uh, an offence that's taken place there, and he deserves to be fu- punished for it. But once you go beyond that, and then you compare the two things, it just looks farcical. And, mm. and the, the, the really uncomfortable, horrible thing uh, underneath the surface for all of this in rugby is it's just a sense of the haves and the have-nots the the rich and the poorer the the ones who can afford mm. high-powered lawyers and the ones who can't and uh, the ones who are just on the inside in the cozy club and the ones who aren't and that is the uncomfortable reality for rugby is it just looks terrible it looks like there is one rule for one and it's not just Farrell by the way and it's not just England by the way this this stretches a little bit further but there has been a lot of talk today in these parts about if this was a, a Pacific Island player, if this was an Argentine, if this was a French player, and so on, they'd have the book. And right. all black. And all black. Yeah, <laughs> but, but potentially the same. And, and voices from South Africa saying it would be the same if it was a Springbok. They would be in a huge amount of trouble. So I fully understand mm. beyond these shores that there's a huge amount of outrage about this, but I can guarantee you there's a huge amount of outrage here too. Like everyone is seeing this for what it is. And the other, the other factor here is they are implementing an absolute crackdown on the height of tackling in the community game in this country. And they're drumming into like unpaid players and coaches around the country, amateur players and coaches. You have to tackle lower. You've got to aim below the chest. Here's the line. This is going to be strictly enforced. And they're watching the England captain get away with, you know, trying to take someone's head off at the mm. weekend and thinking, why are we doing this? Why should we do this? Hey, Chris, then, then 
if that's the case, isn't this the catalyst of change? Like down here in the NRL, for instance, if you get sent off or or get, um, I guess, penalised for intent, you get a it goes to a point system, and it, and the point system for every hundred points is a week. So isn't this a good opportunity for a catalyst of change to make sure that things like this don't happen again in the future? Because for me, when you we're talking about Owen Farrell and you're talking about Moala. The, the chalk and cheese of it all and the uh, and the unfair process needs to change. And the, if you put in like a point system like they do down in the NRL, it means if you get sent off for whatever, that point system guarantees you to get the the uh, equation half right anyway. I mean, to be honest, I, I agree with you. There, there has to be change. There has to be an overhaul. But they're not even enforcing their own system. Is there a system? I mean, it's, it's an absolute farce. Like that, what I have long since detested, I really feel passionately about this, is that they have a framework which says uh, offence X took place at the weekend, player X has been cited, appear before a hearing, the framework says lower end two weeks, media, you know, mid-range six weeks, top end ten weeks, and they say, right, it's going to be mid-range of six weeks, but he turned up at the hearing wearing a smart suit, he said sorry, he's a very nice bloke, and shook hands with everyone and uh, cracked a couple of jokes, so we're going to reduce it by two weeks. This is just nonsense. It's an absolute <laughs> nonsense. I mean, it's a scandal. Like, it's amateurish. It's, it's absurd that a professional sport in the professional era can still run on these sort of farcical lines where you just say, oh, well, we've got a system, but we're just going to yeah, adapt it as we see fit and who's, who's turned up wearing a nice shirt and tie and who's got a good <laughs> lawyer. I mean, you cannot carry on like that. Mm. You have to have a feeling of, uh, a Tongan player, an all-black player, an Argentine player, whoever it is, will look over and go, the captain of England is going to submit for the same process as me. And he will stand or fall on that process the same as me. Whether it's a point system, whether it's the framework being applied as it is now, just apply what you've got. That will do. Just apply it better. And and you can't have it that a, um, you know, a, a team of three judicial officers in Australia overturn what match officials have said in the stadium at Twickenham and one of them is allowed 10 minutes to review and, and sit in the bunker, as they call it, and, and go through it carefully. And they've said, no, sorry, you got that wrong. I don't mm. think they did get it wrong. No, they didn't get it wrong, Chris. The other thing uh, but I think World Rugby have got wrong, though, is they've created a precedent now. So come World Cup time, anybody that hits anybody mm. in the head with the shoulder is just going to take this video footage and no one's going for a skate and all of a sudden player welfare's out the window. Yeah, well, there's clips going around already. You can imagine. I mean, you'll have seen it even at that time of morning there. There's an absolute sort of um, massive sort of spread of footage of Moala's the classic one that's being shared far and wide. But there's others like Grant Gilchrist of Scotland. It shows him making a tackle where at the last second, a teammate's tackle, a split second in front of him has diverted the player into his path, shoulder into head, red card, bam. And you think, well... He's now thinking, well, hang on a minute. That was a major deflection of the ball-carrying player into his path. That was very significant. You could see a, a clear change of direction into his path, which means it was too late. Like, the mechanics of the game, you know, like it, obviously it's all very fast-moving, and it is very difficult to react. If it's happening so late like that, then it is difficult to react. But they are claiming in this case that Jamie George made enough of a touch on Tane Basham that forced him <laughs> downwards into the path of Farrell's shoulder. It's a I joke. I don't buy that. And no one's buying that. No one is buying that at all. 
Yeah, and that's not, and, 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 and also the, the, the problem here is that anything to do with Owen Farrell is perceived to be some sort of witch hunt. Mm. And this has already been coming from the England camp today, I might add. It's portrayed as everyone's got it in for Farrell. You've all in the media got it in for Farrell. The public are harsh on Farrell. No one appreciates him. You're all out to get it. It's not. It's not at all. It's just that you can't have something so glaringly mm. mismatched in terms of a, a, a seeming process of justice between different countries. It just can't happen. We all make mistakes, Chris. And I think the thing with Owen and why people are after him, he's made plenty. He's gone and got his school lessons on tackling to get himself a, a lesser sentence. Then he continues on. But look, just from a world rugby point of view, how can they backtrack from this? How can they save the situation when they have gone and got this TMO bunker? Like this is going to have so much repercussions from this situation. Oh, it, it, massively! I mean, all I know now is I can I can absolutely bet that in the corridors of power, World Rugby, Six Nations, and so on, they will be running around panicking mm. because the last thing they want on the eve of a World Cup is an absolute PR disaster, which this is. It's a stink. Like the the amount of noise about this from people who never follow the sport is off the chart. It's the, it's the biggest story on our, our, our website. You know, gets huge numbers all around the world. It's the biggest story on sport on our website today. It's gone nuclear, way beyond anything in, in football, which is uh, normally sort of a uh, king in, in, in this part of the world. It's a huge story. Loads of people are getting involved in it. It's high up all the bulletins here on the news and everything. And it just makes such a bad noise for the game. And they are just ahead of their big tournament where they want to sell themselves to the world and say, oh, be great. You come along and get involved in rugby and no doubt make a load of money on the back of it. It's a terrible state. It is a terrible state. They are going to get absolutely battered with this. So what I, what I do suspect is it might not quite be the end of the story, as in uh, there is a long history of this sort of scenario where world rugby or whoever else, whichever governing body are getting a bit of a assuring about a big situation. And then suddenly something occurs. There's some sort of follow up to it. So they do have the right of appeal. Mm. And I do wonder whether they will have a look at this and go, we just can't live with this because there are bodies such as progressive rugby who are out to represent the players who've been left with terrible health issues to do with concussions and so on. And they are absolutely slating this decision and and they know the bad noise it makes for the sport so i i I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't quite the end of this yet and it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next day or two we love a conspiracy on our show and we saw tonga are in uh, ireland and scotland's pool at the rugby world cup do you think there was something to do with that I would have no comment on such things. Of course, what I would say, what I would say, is that their ability to uh, call up a, a, a sort of uh, a group of uh, former All Blacks who are highly skilled and highly dangerous has probably come to the attention of teams in this part of the world, and they will be panicking a bit. Um, a lot of us have seen Charles Piatau tearing the place up uh, in, in Europe and realizing exactly what he can offer. So, look, they're very dangerous. I would say. Moala has probably just had the full kitchen sink thrown at him, which has somehow not been thrown at home barrel. And if I was Tonga, I would be saying, right now, we're appealing this today, and here's our grounds, and just uh, footage of Owen Farrell and say, how can you do this to our guy and not do this to this guy? We well, are appealing. This is a nonsense. Well, Chris, what I'd, if I was defensive coach for Tonga, I'd be uh, I'd be rubbing my hands together because the tackle height's just changed, um, and I'd be looking yeah, out for course. the next team that plays them. But the, just on that, like, 
is this a, a uh, I guess, a happy place for the English team, um, given that it's taken the focus away from whether or not they can compete at the World Cup? And do you think that you know that having that break from that um, scrutiny makes any difference to their chances at the World Cup? I, I tell you what, that, that's a good question because on the back of what happened on Saturday, I made mm. a point of writing a piece for the Mail saying, let's not let the the red card and all the noise about that detract from the bigger issue here, which is they were not doing anything when they had 15 men on the field mm. led by Owen Farrell. There was nothing going on. And, and we're all well aware of this insanely imbalanced World Cup draw that sees so many ridiculously strong teams all thrashing out on one side and a bit of a cakewalk on the other side. And, and as a by-the-by, the fact that Scotland it tore into France in Saint-Étienne at the weekend, gave them an almighty fright and almost came back from 27-10 down to win is, is quite an astonishing statement from them. And it shows they might turn up and, and, and cause some problems as well. So that's another theme on that, that side of the draw. So, so I think England have got a lot of problems in how they're trying to play. They haven't clicked at all yet. There was actually a bit of discussion in the last two days before the disciplinary verdict came out and shocked everyone trying to look at, well, what's going to happen with England? What, what will they do? They'll go George Ford at 10, and they might have Courtney Laws as captain. And there was a lot of talk about, hang on, this might end up being sort of quite positive for England because Ford is a very canny fly half. He's very good at opening up the field for guys around him. He's very experienced, provides all that control, and probably is less in danger of getting yellow or red cards. And, and he can run the show in terms of an attacking game. And Courtney Laws is hugely respected. The team will follow him. And that seemed like a pretty good fallback position for England to be in, to go into the World Cup with that scenario. And, and a, a lot of us looked at that and thought, well, actually, that might work. And they could get, their, you know, get a bit of momentum going and could actually become more dangerous. Well, now all of a sudden they have a scenario where the contingencies they were looking at are out the window again because suddenly, shock or they haven't lost their captain after all. And they're back to where they were, which was clunky and a mess and not, not showing any sign that they were going to be ready in time for the tournament. So, so I think really, it, you know, it's good news for England in that Steve Borthwick wanted Owen Farrell and somehow he's still going to have him and he wants him as his captain. So he will be pleased about that. But in terms of the bigger picture of how the team are functioning, I don't see how they're suddenly going to make this all happen in a couple of weeks the way they're going. Based on all of that, mate, and, and, and what George Ford said, I, I'm sure you've heard George Ford's faux pas uh, talking <laughs> to the press. We got away with, uh, you know, we went through the process. Uh, chances of George Ford being put up to media between now and the end of the Rugby World Cup again? <laughs> I feel sorry for him. George, George is a really good guy, and he's really good at dealing with us, to be fair. Um, and they would have put him up today very much because it was a bit of a tough subject and he's one of those senior players who can come in and be pleasant and meet all the questions head on and answer them calmly and, you know, with assurance. He, he's clearly walked into something there which has really sort of knocked him sideways and he's, he's had a little bit of a slip. And I feel bad for him in a way because there'll be a lot of focus on that. But essentially, it's a really weird one thing because I know for a fact that he was at the door waiting to come in to do interviews when the, the statement dropped about the disciplinary verdict. So he was about to walk into the room and talk about the fact that he was going to be asked all about being England's number 10 now going into the World Cup and how he had a chance to, you know, take a hold on that position and run the show and get England moving in the World Cup. Suddenly, he walks in and instead he's facing questions about 
oh my God, you've got Owen Farrell still going to play. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for England? And completely blindsided. So I, I, I do feel a degree of sympathy for him in that situation. It was very much just before he walked in that that happened and the, I think it probably sort of threw him slightly. Yeah, he handled it pretty well right up to that last sentence. But um, Chris, just got a question here from Afisa Tonu'u and he's messaged me on WhatsApp. He just wants to ask you a question about do the Judicial Committee meet and talk about cases? That's a good question. You see, traditionally, mm. they would have done because traditionally these things would have been done together. And, and essentially the way it will work in this case is they'll have a sort of a chairperson who's, who's already a, a, a appointed and then two others added if they need to then sit in judgment on someone. So they get, it sort of gets compiled after the match, if you like. So there's one person there in charge of it all and then others get added down the line. To be honest, these days, so much of it is virtual that there's not necessarily a meeting between them. I would imagine they will confer on it, but they're not necessarily even in the same place. In this case, Farrell was appearing by video link in front of a, a panel who were all Australian. And and there were jokes going around, of course, when the panel was appointed saying, oh, look, he's being tried by three Aussies, especially in an ashes summer. This is not going to end well, and and hilariously, it's gone the other way, and it's ended brilliantly. So I don't know. And and then I, I did see somebody saying one of them was once coached by Eddie Jones. So there's now the whole thing in the rounds that Eddie wants Farrell to be uh, playing for England at the World Cup, and he's managed to you know orchestrate something. I'm, of course, I'm joking, but you know these things. Uh, not a joke down the scene. It's not a joke, Chris. Down the scene. Well, we did. We it, it did actually. It did. It did. Uh, you know, with all his prior convictions. We did wonder whether or not finding him not guilty this time round was if he got another conviction, he might actually be eligible to play for the Wallabies. <laughs> Very good, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Give it time. Oh, dear. Yeah, so it's, just, it's, it's all madness. Like, you know, this is the thing. These situations are... It's such an insane situation today that it just leads to so many sort of far-fetched theories and all these things flying around because no one can quite believe it. It's just like, it's astonished everyone. So, what we thought was a a fairly calm, routine sort of day is just blown in, uh, blown up into absolute chaos. And I just think the authorities have got to realise there's a major, major storm coming their way in terms of the mm. backlash against this. And uh, going back to what we were talking about earlier, they really have to get a grip on the overall judicial system and that feeling that it's not fair because if they've got a World Cup and it's got that, that bad smell about it, it's just going to cause chaos. No one's going to have any respect for it. It's just going to be a, a shambles. So they've got to get a grip on it somehow. I think this is the only start. This is just the start of what's about to unfold, mate. If I was on fair, I'd go buy a lotto ticket. Chris Foy, we appreciate you joining us, mate, and diving into the big subject for today. Thanks so much, mate. You have a good rest of the day. Thank you. Good to join you. Cheers. There is Chris Foy out of the UK. We'll shoot off. We'll come back. We're off the back fence with the one and only Tony Kemp. You're listening to Izzy Kempy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, the home of big brand vitamins at the lowest prices every day.